Welcome, it's Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here. The episode today is with uh, Derek Grady, one of the VPs at Heritage Auctions. It's had a, a long and storied career in the industry. And we got in a roll and started talking, and I will carve that up into a couple of uh, episodes for your listening pleasure. I really enjoyed hearing Derek's story, some of the things, what's going on in Heritage, as well as some of his other experiences, and just two veterans talking about uh, what's old and what's new, what's uh, coming back around in the industry, but all made possible by sponsors, certainly including Heritage, <laughs> the, Derek's employer and my good friends there, but also Huggins and Scott, ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, and Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. So great sponsors, uh, great interview uh, with Derek. We had a good time, and uh, let's turn it over to that conversation. Again, thank you for your listening support. If you got any questions, contact me at drjamesbeckett at gmail.com. So uh, without further ado, here's uh, Derek Grady. The modern cards are just on another level. It's just pure craziness. Well, when, you know. there's, when they're selling modern cards from more than a Wagner, oh. it's, it's, it's just different. It's a different kind of bragging rights. It really is. Yeah. Uh, of players that are still playing. That could still, you know, Mike Trout, could, you know, who could mess up. Absolutely. And so much is baked into his price of the fact that he will, whatever, hit 900 home runs. I, it's not going to happen. He's, He's going to be lucky. Rosen, Rob Rosen, the other VP brought up to me that if you look at Albert Pujols' numbers and compare them to Mike Trout, Mike Trout's going to be lucky to have Pujols' numbers. For first 10 years. Yeah. Albert Pujols, the first 10 years. If he did, well, he's fallen off, but he's old now. No, he's old, but that's the thing. You're going to fall off some. It's going to be under 300. Is he going to have 660 home runs? Is he going to have over 2,000 RBIs? Is he going to win a title? Can he make he the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. So it makes it, I'll tell you, that's a big gamble to me. But he's not the, the um, you're a baseball fan, aren't you? I'm an all sports fan, sure. Yeah, but basically, there's all this comparative stuff, but it seems like the newer, people in the hobby only want to compare up. They, they don't want to compare laterally of who's in the hall of fame. This guy's a little bit. No, they don't seem to they do that. Very top of the market and say, if that guy goes for that, then this guy might turn out like that. And therefore. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was doing another interview the other day and we were discussing, are these people that are buying modern cards? Does that mean they will go back and buy vintage? And the answer to that is a lot of these people that are buying modern are only buying modern. They are not going backwards and buying mantles. So you can't make, okay, so now a mantle and eight has to be worth a million dollars because it doesn't work that way. They want modern cards. Different the one of one super refractor. And I'm not going to tell them what to do. God bless them. They can do whatever they want to do. But I think a few of them could, could, uh, could migrate over there, but it is. Some of them have, thank God. Exactly. If True collectors will. A lot of money. They need to have a lot of money. Yeah. Did we not all start? buying packs of you know so when i started buying packs and i had my little beckett guide right. in 1980 yeah. wonder who wonder who started that yeah. well, <laughs> i that's what i was buying 1980 cards and i go and run to my little book and look up what the stuff was going for and i got all excited and i used your grade how i became a grader honestly was i used your grading standards because so many people didn't they just if they had the card and it wasn't run over everything was near men or x-men i literally took it i took it literally here's the card in this condition here's the card in that condition but we all started with so i started in 1980 buying packs then when i got to i put them away for a few years we got into girls then i came back to it and my friend said hey did you see this coin store there's cards over there and i couldn't believe i could buy these cards that were in the beckett book prior to 1980 and i was hooked forever and here i am 
Well, it, it, the the moment of truth for the in those days was: Are you going to work your way forward? Or are you going to work your way back? The smart people thought: Okay, it's 1980. I'm going to start working the 70s and 60s, and, yeah. and and they should have worked their way back as fast as they could. Pete Calderon, the only guy I've uh, talked to that's immediately was a candy, it was an e card guy from his grandfather. Yeah, that's yeah, he um, he loved it. E card people were really just they they would collect what's being promoted and what's being yeah. promoted is the current packs. My only question would be, so once you sold back it, correct? And what have you been, have you remained on as a consultant or have you, are you just, what are you doing? Are you just retired and what do you do now? Well, it's been 15 and a half years. Yeah. It's astounding to me. And I'm, I'm doing a podcast every day, which, but I waited 15 years overly respectfully to not to intrude on uh, a company that has, bears my name, but I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. listed as an advisor, but I'm unpaid. Although sure. I get uh, best customer treatment if I want to use the, the services. Okay. But, uh, and I've still been a hobbyist. It's hard yeah. to take your full-time work vocation that used to be your hobby and turn it back into a hobby. So, I, so I'm messing around with my cards and trying to you know, sell off some stuff. But I have this running thing with Chris Ivey is that you know, what I want to sell is what I don't want. <laughs> Why don't you sell this stuff that we would really like to sell? That <laughs> so I know you can do that, but that's the stuff I really enjoy. That'll yeah. be the last stuff I sell. That'll be the last and, stuff. And, and, and trust me, my wife has your numbers. So yeah, but but it's a bunch of stuff. So I'm trying to thin things out. I'm going slow and having fun with it and doing yeah. a little bit more shows, but I'm not a setup guy. I just, you know, I, I love cards, but I've got a, it's, it's a second regime now since I sold. And the first okay. regime I had a little, uh, those are the ones I sold to. So I had a little closer relationship with those guys. But they didn't, they probably weren't radical enough. And they were in some respects, but they were a New York publishing roll up and uh, kind of treated it mostly like a 20th century company. And the new guys, which I'm not as tight with, have treated it more as a 21st century uh, database company that's uh, offshores, a bunch of things, and does all that. So, not the way I would do it, but yeah. you know, I need to allow them to do their stuff. They've earned the right to do it. And I just, I've got enough friends still there in the hobby and around town, as well as at the company that I, you know, I want my, the brand has my name on it. I want it to yeah. do well, but <laughs> it's not the only game in town. It's the hobby strong. There's a, there's, there's other ways for people to get prices. There's other ways for people to get their cards graded. There's sure. other, other sources for things. So that, that's, I'm not a monopolist, but I'd like to come in first place, but I'm sure. kind of, I'm on my own now. So I'm a little independent. Gotcha. That's good. So it allows yeah. me enjoy the podcast and reconnect with people and get to know some people that I know a little bit better and um, get some oral history out there. But I don't want it to be strictly vintage, even though that's probably my love. So I'm trying to you know spread it around. But okay. you're uh, again, when you got started, 1980 wasn't vintage in 1980. It was no, uh, and that was modern people. I think people are willing to take vintage up to 1989, which is very scary to me. Very, that just makes us old. Yeah, we're old. It's just astounding. And even 1980, there's some break it there. And even that to me is not vintage, but it's again, I'm not, no, not vintage to me either. I look in the seven, probably 75 and before some people say 1969 and before, but I try and keep 75, 89 scary to me because it just makes me old because I remember where I was by an 80. It's like Upper Deck brought in the modern era or something. It I, did. I, that I can't be vintage. That was the revel. That was like the modern revolution with Upper Deck, what they did. You know, that was a yeah, huge. Make 1988 prehistoric. No, I, I, yeah, it's, and you can, one of the theories I have is that you can go almost by pop reports and not just by how many cards are graded by, but what, how the grading shakes out. To me, it's vintage if you have trouble finding eights, nines, and tens. That's a good point. Yeah. 
is another adage for me. Okay, I gave this, uh, and I don't know that it's appeared. This may have appeared in the other episode that Pete hasn't, but I asked Pete the rhetorical question. Somebody calls you up, Derek, and they say they've got a collection, and then you get another call the next day. Somebody says, I've got a collection. They're both like 45 years old. The first guy says, I've got a great collection. It's worth $100,000. Are you interested? The second guy who calls up the very next day, same age, same whatever. And he says, I've got a great collection. Are you interested? It's a $5 million collection. So my rhetorical question to Pete is not knowing anything else, which guy has more cards? Wow. And I said, I think it's flipped. <laughs> Somebody is 45 years old and they have a $5 million collection. Yep. I'm betting they don't have that many cards. With you, I am absolutely no, with you. You hear what I'm saying? And the hundred thousand has got I'm, all these sets that are that are. I travel more. The reason I'm on the East Coast, Jim, is I travel more than any of our other consignment guys. Okay, I'm a grader, so I go on most. Of, yeah. I am all over the place. You would not believe what a hundred thousand dollar hundred thousand dollar collection can pack up an SUV yeah. and have tens of thousands of cards, or a hundred thousand dollar collection could be five cards or two cards. A $5 million collection could literally be a hundred graded cards. I'm saying that's yes, not, I'm that with is, you. I know people like that. So you're, I'm with you're you getting that. In fact, you're seeing it in person. Firsthand. You get first dibs. You're first firsthand. And if you think it's easy, so I've made the argument when we're given seller's fees, when you give me a truckload of vintage sets, we have to go through, do the, do the grading percentages, send out the cards for grading, or you give me Don Lucius's number PSA registry collection, everything's graded. Every card was graded. I just, you, you photograph them, you write them, you lot them appropriately. When you get them raw, there's a huge cost. There's a cost. And so yeah. that's worth talking about. Cause I think people, I, I was doing some stuff and my greater choice is BGS, obviously, but sure. I don't fully respect the other. Kind of has your name on it. It does have my name on it. But, <laughs> and unfortunately, they're, I, 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 I'm, to me, I could almost make the case that they're tougher on me, which doesn't – that I, I think they're just tough. But uh, I, I think all the grading companies are, Jim. They, if you go back to when it started, when PSA created the standard for professional grading, and you look at eights that were great – or nines back then, okay? Now, the same cards. Yeah. You can't get eights in those same kind of eights and nines. So I've always told people when I first got to SGC, buy the card, not the holder. No, buy the serial number. Buy <laughs> that too. Buy the lowest serial number. Look at the card. Because if I've gone through so many collections where there's eights that look like nines, there's eights that look like sixes. And people have asked me to help them weed out as they've gotten a better eye over time. They don't like looking at eights that would be sixes today. So I've actually helped them thin the herd of some of their try to upgrade some cards because the standards have changed. And nobody, and there's no reason to apologize for it as well as I do through different decades, different collectors, standards change, graders change. But right now, I think every grading company is, is pretty tight overall. Do you think the change has gone toward um, a greater emphasis on eye appeal? I think, thank God, that's finally happened because eye appeal means something. Because we used to, so at SGC at one point when I got there, when I was the head grader, a crease would just kill a card. A back crease it could be min on the front and a little back crease. We would take it down to the four. Now, hindsight, how can you not be X min or X if it's min on the front? Meanwhile, you have a card with four hit corners, okay? Four bent corners, maybe some scratches on the and it's a four or five. Anybody would rather have that card that's mint with a little back crease. I had to change and adapt it, but the thing that taught me the most was when I left SGC, was at Mastro for four years, five years, came back to SGC. So you see the other side of the table. I think all graders, it's very important to see the other side of the table 
and notice that as opposed to just sitting there technically, right. okay, and grading. You need to see what collectors are buying and what dealers are selling. What I appeal, I think they've actually gone. So to your point, I appeal means a ton. Secondly, and I would, and then if I ever got back into grading again, I would make that part of the, the emphasis. But then centering, I think they've gotten completely carried away with what can be mint. And if it just looks off center and 52s have wide borders, okay? So a man on a 50, a 52 man on an eight could look really off center and not look that nice because they've got those big borders. And people say, oh, how can that be an eight? Because they don't pay attention to reading the standards, okay? But two to one can be an eight, assuming the corners are nice and everything else is there. And people have just gone crazy with wanting centered cards to the point where they don't mind giving up some corner wares, where, okay, to have a centered card. Me, when I first started collecting, I love cards that look mint right out of the pack. So unfortunately, the cards I put away, I would buy mint cards that were off center because that's the way they came out of a pack. And to me, corners meant everything back then in the 80s when I was buying. So then when it came time to be a grader and I go back into my stuff to see what I had, I was like, ah, crap. Most of my stuff is OC, but it has four razor sharp corners. And the stuff that I had that was centered with four razor sharp corners, yeah, that's nines and eights. And I still have that laying around somewhere because I couldn't grade my own cards as a grader. So I still have that packed away in a basement. But I got so irritated because I was buying, again, right out of a pack type cards. I love that stuff. I, I didn't mind the centering. Now I actually do like stuff that are centered as well. Yeah, centering's a big deal for me. In fact, what's not a big deal for me is one soft corner. I, yeah. kinda, I did an episode a long time ago about like an 18-inch rule where you hold the card 18 inches in front of you and you can't, whether it's slabbed or not, you really, you can see whether it's centered. You can see if yep. there's some problems on the surface, if there's some notching or something, but a very soft corner, you can't see it, that you can't see except under magnification. To me, I'm not saying it's a 10. I'm not even saying it's a nine or an eight. I'm just saying that's a very pleasing card. Yeah, I agree. Up on my wall, people would have to get very close to it to see that it's not, that it's not perfect. It looks great. And uh, some of the people you've, you've apparently done. You, even though you, you've been with SGC twice then? Twice, two different, okay. yeah, two different reigns. And you've been, so you've done, uh, you haven't worked for, you haven't worked for Beckett. Worked I haven't worked for Beckett and I haven't worked for PSA. I won their PSA. two, they won their contests they had for grading. They had two of them. I won them both times. 